Hello and welcome to the Blue Pea Leader podcast. And I'm your host and the founder of Blue Pea Pod, Ruth Sanderson. If you want to become a leader of an organization where people feel alive and fully contribute, one that really understands who you are, lets you contribute your talents, live your purpose and make a difference. Listen in now as we share the latest practical ideas and techniques to experience authentic success through leadership. Hello and welcome to the Blue Pea Leader. I've been having many conversations at the moment with leaders around burnout. Uh, It's good that the subject matter is now seeing the light of day. There was a time when, you know, you'd be observing signs of burnout and leaders were like, no, 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 we're fine, we're fine. That's not going on in our organisation. That's not happening in my team. But now there's more, uh, okay, it's happening and... And I, how do I help my team avoid it? And so in this podcast, I'm going to look at three ways that you can explore that may help you avoid burnout in your team. There are several more ways, but I'm just going to focus on three. Now, one of the weird things is whilst burnout is a genuine increasing concern for the leaders I'm working with today, their focus of interest often is their staff. And yet in my conversations and in my observation, what I'm also noticing is there's an increase in burnout amongst the leaders, a kind of slow creeping death. And in kind of say because some of the leaders are experiencing burnout, they actually can't see it in their staff who they really do genuinely care about. It's like becoming blind to what is. Now, burnt out staff are more likely to seek alternative employment, take sick leave, have accidents, make avoidable mistakes or errors in decision making. All of these have got a cost to the business. So there are three different ways you can explore doing something that could reduce burnout. So one is clarity of expectation. Now, by this, I mean, have you checked the expect your expectations of what you think is involved in their role or your expectations of the deliverables and check it? Does that match with their expectation and their understanding? Because many times there's actually a mismatch here and it only tends to come to light at a review. Now, if the review is on a monthly or a quarterly basis, then there's plenty of time to get things back on track. But sometimes with sort of, you know, the pace of business and uh, meetings and travel and it depends on how much remote working happens and other a whole heap of factors, sometimes it ends up being that it's a six monthly or even an annual performance review. And by that time, there's a lot of water under the bridge and getting back on track is even harder. It's not just because their performance didn't match your expectation, but because they're now disappointed. And they're either doubting themselves or you or both. I describe this as a year of whacking lemmings. A lot of effort has been put into the year, but no fruits have been reaped. Now, a second option is looking at how can you balance the workload. Now, 
Yet in an ideal world, the workload would be consistently perfect. But in reality, what we get are peaks and troughs. Or we have peaks and lesser peaks. And the troughs, i.e. the rest points, have disappeared. As work becomes more dynamic, then what's required of us changes and fluctuates. What we can't do is keep taking more on without taking time to reflect and ditch what's no longer needed or working. Covering for a colleague for two weeks is possible whilst we do our job. Covering their role in hours for six months is unrealistic and unworkable. But I've seen people do this or try and do it. Not because at the beginning they knew it was six months, because they they weren't kind of like, oh yeah, I tell you what, I fancy doing this because, you know, hey, two jobs for the price of one. Oh, it really was, they thought it was a temporary thing. If they thought it was like I'm covering for two weeks or three weeks, it's like I'm going to try and keep things going because I don't want to let people down. But then either their bosses were too busy or other matters came along to address and people don't start to see that the person is drowning. When we begin to experience overwhelm in our workload, however it's caused, we need our leaders to help us prioritise better because we are drowning. That way, it's kind of like we've got a different perspective. We have a better idea of what to let go of, what to put on hold. But we also get insights into where we need to develop and strengthen. So we're less likely to experience the overwhelm. So... Knowing exactly what you need to do and having a workload that is feasible, realistic, that doesn't lead you to be drowning, are two options. The final one actually is around disconnecting. And by that, I mean that really we're we're always, we carry a mobile phone around with us, which means we've got our email with us. We've got instant messaging with us. We're always connected contactable, always on. And if we look around our colleagues and leaders and see how the, they look, how they respond to to their emails, we see that if we, are people always available? So in a meeting, if a person's phone rings, do they instantly answer it and then put the meeting on hold? At night, do they send out a bunch of emails? And what's more, do they expect to reply outside of regular working hours? When you're away on a training course, is it that you're still looking at your phone whilst you're trying to learn an exercise? Or does it just come out at breaks and lunchtime? And part of this is, do we feel like we have to instantly respond, always be contactable? Or have we got the ability to disconnect, which actually means if we're very good at delegating, as an example, we also know that it isn't that we have disconnected. We know that we are putting something to one side, but things will still be taken care of. So let's look at the phone. So when you sit down and put it on the table, instantly you've signaled to the other person that should anything happen on this device, I am responding which means the phone is more important than this conversation. Just looking at it whenever it pops up is an interruption, a distraction, a response. Yes, choosing to ignore it is a response, just as choosing to answer it is one. 
And at the moment you look at it, it breaks the connection you have with the other person. Now, in some meetings, that maybe isn't going to matter. But in other conversation, it most certainly does. I was recently in a lift. Two people got in. Person number one was very animatedly chatting and saying about how they'd just found a new job and how excited they were. And person number two asked them a question. So person number one was replying. And halfway through his reply, person number two looked at their phone, which had a message on it. And they stopped listening to person number one. Believe it or not, person number one stopped talking. I was like, yeah, good for you. And person number two looked up and went, yeah, great. But actually, as they said, yeah, great. They kind of realised, yep, I haven't been paying attention. And then they asked the person another question. So they started answering it. And then they were fiddling with their phone. And from watching these people get in the lift with a connection, and we'd only gone down a few floors... The person that was talking now was doing so out of politeness because the other person was clearly more distracted with their phone than they were with the conversation that was going on. Now, emotionally intelligent leaders know to keep their phone out of sight. If there is something really serious going on, then they will explain that they might need to take a call. But this isn't an introduction in every meeting or a way of sneakily making it okay to use their phone. My experience has been that 99% of the time they show up and they keep their phone away. And out of all the times they've ever said, then hardly ever has anything happened during that meeting. So let's look at evenings, weekends, holidays. Do you still respond and keep in touch? Where is the cutoff point for you? What's your expectations of your team and their behaviour during this period? Some of it is actually ourself we go oh yeah I have to answer on the evening I have to answer on a weekend but I don't on a holiday so is it our expectations and is it other people's expectations so what are you communicating to your team because they may look at what you do and think that's what what is expected sometimes you actually have to say it out loud here's the thing when we take time away from our phone from email from messaging it actually allows our brain valuable space for it to process, file, defrag, recharge, rejuvenate. And it turns out all of this reduces our stress levels, which means we're less likely to burn out. Of course, if we can do something really pleasurable whilst we're disconnected, then that's even more beneficial and therapeutic. This has also been shown to make us even more creative and productive when we're back at work. So it's a kind of win-win. The key to disconnecting, though, is discipline. You have to set yourself boundaries and stick to them and then increase them over time. Because if you disconnect too much too quickly, it is going to lead to anxiety. So as you do this, you're going to become aware of what causes you to break your boundaries, which is also useful information in terms of your development. So just starting out with one of these routes that I've mentioned is going to start and make a difference. And you'll know right now which one's the most feasible for you. And then just build on that. And as you change your behaviours, your team will probably begin to shift theirs. And if they don't, well, you have a conversation with them. 
but you're having a conversation with them from the perspective of the difference it's made to you rather than this, oh, do as I say, or I've read this thing and it seemed like a really good idea. I just haven't found time to try it out. And remember, we have a um, report on building and increasing your resilience. So if you go to our website, bluepeapod.com, you can download the free report, which also gives you more tools on looking at how you can increase your resilience and reduce burnout. Until the next time, go be the difference in leadership. Mm-hmm.